Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. We're going to talk about uh, for a little while uh, what happens when the sword comes to your house. When the sword comes to your house. The word house, when God refers, uses that word, <clears throat> it refers to your household. It also refers to your bloodline, and it refers to near um, relatives, friends. All of that's considered your household. You know, when, when uh, the nation of Israel, people lived in clans and families. So there were large numbers of people considered to be relatives, and it also included servants and included friends to a certain degree. So when God talks about bringing a sword into your household, he's talking about affecting or bringing in an element that will affect close relationships. It will affect close relationships. The word used when he <coughs> talks about sword, and we'll we'll turn to the scripture in a minute, but I thought maybe I'd talk about this word sword. It actually means war. It means sword as a weapon, a weapon of war. The sword was always a weapon of war. So really, when he says he's bringing the sword, he's bringing war into your household. It also means, the word sword also means controversy. You know, things that are controversial are worthy of talk. Everybody has an opinion about it one way or the other. The word sword also means strife or striving. There is a striving. Now when you strive, you're trying to get from one place to another. When people strive in conversation, one person is trying to persuade the other, usually, of their way of thinking. So there is a striving that comes in when Jesus comes into your household. There is also a war that comes. There's a, a discomfort, a dis-ease, a, an unsettling that comes. Because he said he did not come to bring peace, but rather a sword. So that's in Matthew 10.34, and that's where we're going to study some today. Because I think we need to <clears throat> keep in mind... That once you are are uh, born again, when you have the Spirit of Christ dwelling in you, Christ has come to you and your household. He has come to invade every area of your life as Lord. So when he invades every area of your life and claims lordship over it, you must understand some things. So in Matthew 10.34, he says, Think not that I am come to bring peace on earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. Now, right above that, he talks some about um, your perspective as a, as a human being on this earth. He talked some about fear, and he warned his disciples, don't fear those. Don't fear men. Don't be afraid of people. That's what he's saying. So transfer that fear from human beings over onto a reverence for God. Hmm? He tells them not to be afraid of people. He said, they're going to treat you bad. Said so they'll bring you before magistrates and judges. You'll be called on the carpet for the least little thing. All the time. This is just the way it is with Christianity. And he says this. He says, <clears throat> don't fear those who can kill the body only. But fear God who can kill your body and throw your soul in hell. <laughs> huh? So fear the one who has the ultimate power. Don't waste your time being afraid of people. 
And isn't that what our problem is, why we're not more successful in our life and our witnessing and whatever is fear of man? Huh? Fear of people usually keeps us from being bold in God. He says, the very hairs of your head are numbered. You're worth more than many sparrows. God has numbered you above the animals. So he values you very highly. So don't be afraid of men because God values you so highly that he will protect you and take care of you. So that's why he said if you transfer that fear of man over into a reverence and a worship for God, he'll take care of you. Where men are concerned, where everything's concerned, God will take care of you. He said also, whosoever shall confess me before men, I'll confess him before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, I'll deny him also. Deny him before my Father which is in heaven. This has a lot to do with the success that we have in getting our needs met. A lot to do with it. Because if Jesus, Jesus isn't talking about denying you on when you, after you die and you're ready to be received in heaven. But he's an intercessor who sits there interceding for you. What's he going to say to the Father on your behalf on a day-to-day basis if you deny him? Well, I don't deny him. Yeah, you deny him access oftentimes into other people's lives by the fact that you don't stand up for the word. Huh? So we have to be careful as believers to always lift up Jesus. George W. Bush, when he was running for president the first time, they had a panel uh, interview. And they were asking who had had the most influence. And he said, Jesus Christ. And he said before he had had that interview, they had an understanding of the kinds of questions that would be asked. And many of his advisors told him that if you mention that you're a Christian and you've made a commitment to Jesus, that's going to kill the election for you. And he told him, if I don't mention it, that's going to kill it for me. So he felt that it was important enough for him to let people know that Jesus had made the biggest difference in his life of any person that he had ever met. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so when you make a public declaration of the Lord, then Jesus can stand up for you in every single situation. He will not have grounds to deny you before the Father. Now, how do we deny the Lord? Well, sometimes we're, we're in conflict. What do I do when people ask me to do this or ask me? Now, these are questions that usually come to young Christians, but they can continue to pop up. You can pass this test years ago, and then it pops up again. Because you get in new situations, you think things are different, and you want it to be different. You want to get beyond the day-to-day persecution that comes with knowing the Lord. I learned early in my Christian walk that when power gets you in trouble, you ask for more power. That became really clear and obvious to me very quickly in my walk with God. That when the show of power that God had already demonstrated got you in trouble, you ask for greater power this time so that the devil won't raise his head. Or if he does, you can squash it real quick. So you have to follow his example, but you must always declare Christ. You've got to always declare God's word. So this is the sword that the Lord brings. He brings his kingdom. And with it all the power that is available to his kingdom people. He puts on believers as they need it for the work that they're engaged in. So <clears throat> when Jesus says in verse 34, think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I, have, I came not to send peace but a sword. This is different than what the angels announced when he was born. Remember that? Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Well, the ultimate will be that peace will come when the world is converted to Christ. 
When all this great nonsense and tribulation and back and forth is over and the Christians have declared Christ and the people that who are going to receive him have received him, then there will come a lasting peace on earth. But until then, Jesus said that there would be wars and rumors of wars. Nation would rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. So what happens when he comes into a person's life is that a new kingdom has risen up in the midst of an existing kingdom. So we have an overthrow situation here. And everybody in your life feels it. They feel the overthrow that is taking place. There's a revolution that's taking place within you and in your life. And so the people around you begin to sense this revolution. And so Jesus says that I've come to bring a sword. Now this is so inconsistent with traditional, the way traditional Christianity looks at things. Traditional Christianity looks more at the outcome and not the process. When God says that you and your whole household will be saved, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, I'll save them all. He's telling you a promise that is an end result, but we don't look at the end result. Mostly we live in the process. On a day-to-day basis, you live in the process. So Jesus being fair to all of us informs us what the process is. And he says the process is warfare, contention, strife, controversy, the sword. He never hid the truth from his disciples. He always gave them full disclosure. Even when he told them that many of them would be persecuted and led before judges. And we'd be handed over to death by their own relatives for his sake. He told them the truth. You know, I call the red stuff the fine print in the Bible. <laughs> you, you read Jesus' words and, and you'll see he never hid anything from his disciples. He let them know fully what they were in for. This is truth in his covenant. So when we read the promises of God, we look and focus on the end result. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, my family's going to get saved. But when you look at what Jesus actually taught, you see a process going on there. You begin to understand the process. The process is a little difficult for us to handle. Because we're so desirous of the end result. So Jesus gives us instructions for how to go through the process. He's very honest about it. And he purposely brings the sword into every believer's house. So this is kingdom versus kingdom. Why does the sword, why does this contention have to be? For one thing, Jesus needs to know who's for him and who's against him. This whole earth is set in in place to make a decision. All of the, the activities of life that go on from day to day are positioning us to make the decision Either for or against Jesus. Once you make that decision for him. You're pretty much settled. At least for a season. You're settled for a season. Until he goes to work. On fulfilling the rest of his promises in your life. (laughs) And then you're unsettled. Sometimes we wish we can just go somewhere. Don't just take me to heaven right now. Why well, I got to go through all this stuff and all this, <laughs> you know. But there's work to do for him huh? because he's already ordained that we'll do some good works for him. And so he knows the ones that, that are set before us that he's holding us responsible for. 
So going to heaven, I guess, right away would be the easy way out. You know, you can always believe for just stepping over and not have a painful end or, you know, whatever. But uh, I think he, he, there is something about endurance that he has to let us know and let us see in our lives that he's promised us. We have to see that his spirit is an enduring spirit. It helps us to, to go through things. And some of the things that we've been dreading having to experience in life, he'll have us experience them in him so that we can, he can't deny himself. He's got to be true in what he says about himself. So he has to prove himself out in our lives. Wake up. He has to prove himself out in our lives. So there are things that, for instance, if he tells us fear not, Huh? At some point, you'll, we'll, you'll have to face that which you fear. Why? So that he can prove that you don't have to fear it anymore. Hmm? So uh, there's a lot built into some of his words that we don't understand until we have to walk them out. Because he has to remain true to himself. He can't deny himself. He has to prove out that his word is true. For instance, when he says that all men are created equal, we're created in God's image, that means that he has to demonstrate capabilities among all races of people. We can't put some people in one category and they are only capable of this and can't do that. God will explode it right out of the box every single time. And so he is constantly proving that his word is true through the activities that we go through in daily life. So God is the one who is bringing truth into the earth, and he wants truth to be established. And that's the major reason that he brings the sword. He brings war. He brings contention. Because he knows that people want to to believe what they believe. They want their lives. Everybody wants their life to go according to what they think it ought to be like. And then God comes in with his plan, and he knows they're going to fight him for it. He knows also that the enemy of our soul, Satan, is going to put up a good fight in people as well. And so that's the main fight that's going on when we talk about kingdom versus kingdom. It's the kingdom of darkness versus the kingdom of light. We, being in the light have to understand that darkness has to be challenged or we will never win people over. If we can't challenge their darkness, then we'll never win them over. So when you step in to Christ and he steps into your heart, he establishes his kingdom. The throne of his kingdom is in your heart. And he is testing you and he's testing those around you to make the decision for his kingdom. And this is a hard fought battle because Satan often does not want to give up on those that he he knows are slated for salvation. He knows that your family slated for salvation. Now if he can put it off as long as he can, he will. He'll fight you to keep them from being as productive and keep you from having comfort and peace of mind that you feel you need to carry on God's work. The minute you say you can't handle somebody in your household not being saved or something, you know, he'll start to kick up. You'll see that you can handle it. <laughs> you, can, you can live in the kingdom that's within you amazing how resourceful we can get when natural circumstances aren't very pleasant and so jesus wants to demonstrate to us all of these things that his kingdom actually is a real place that you can live that is within you and he wants you to find refuge there and abide there while he's bringing the sword to the house Huh? Shirley and I used to have a little saying. I said, well, you might as well get your bag of popcorn and put your feet up and watch the show. 
Got the brother Goak up. Okay. <laughs> and guaranteed. <laughs> huh? Why? Because it's just the way it is. It's not a bad confession. It's truth. And you want the sword to come because you want people to have to make the decision. You want to the pressure to come kingdom against kingdom so that they can make the decision to let go of the devil's kingdom and serve the living God. So if you're afraid of the sword, you're afraid of that clash and you're afraid of that warfare. This is something, and this is something you can't just like it and want to make it happen kind of thing either. You understand what I'm saying? It's going to happen because the minute you come in to God's kingdom, Jesus lives in you and he's free to talk, you know, move you to talk and say stuff that he wants you to say. Huh? At times you witness to people and you ain't even trying. Huh? If you are led by the Spirit, and you, you obey God in all things, that is your witness. That's more your witness than what comes out of your mouth. So being obedient to God is what draws the sword out on people. <laughs> that pulls it. You know, you get the dagger out the, the holster when you do that. And you'll find that people watch you. When you're not even aware sometimes that you're being watched. You think it's business as usual. You think it's the normal thing. And they're watching you all the time to see what kind of, they say they, they oh, this is one of those. Yeah, one of those. I remember uh, <clears throat> when I was getting my nails done in this little shop. This is when I was living in Detroit. And uh, one of the girls was saying, um, uh, and this girl, she was having a hard time. She was had cancer, and and uh, she was saying that, um, telling somebody that her sister, younger sister, um, well, you know, she got involved, and in she was a born again Christian. The other girls, oh, one of those, you know, I'm thinking, Ooh. and uh, you know, it, it kind of. It settled some things for me because, you know, a lot of times you're around unbelievers and you want to share Christ with them. You pray for them and look for an open door and so forth and so on. And this girl always seemed to uh, just be resistant, you know, to things. Most people, if you offer to pray for them, they're at least polite about it and so forth. And Oh, no, uh, yeah, it's, it's not that serious. It's ta- you know, she's always like that, fluffing it off. And the reason is that the sword had already you know, she was pinned against the wall because when she, when I realized a few years later that she had a sister who was born again, you know, was living for God because she made that impression on her. See, that let me know that the reason she was resisting me is because here's somebody else poking the sword at her. See, and she was already pinned down by it. And so, but but see, God was preparing her for a victory that she would need in the future because now she's got breast cancer and she had had some chemotherapy and some stuff done and then she had another scare with it you know and every time she would have these scares and stuff like that it seemed I was right there and she was calling the doctor calling somebody or trying to get herself straightened out and so see God already has victory prepared for people and he has a motivation for them to make the right decision. Now, don't get this twisted. God is not putting cancer on people so they can say yes to Jesus. Honey, the cancer is on his way already. Uh, the cancer is already in the works. And he is preparing a bailout for them. He's preparing a way of escape and a way to receive healing so that he can move in. So part of what this sword will bring, it is a sword of truth. And it is a sword of hope to those who are hopeless. So you have all of these benefits coming on the edge of a sword. The sword's always there. 
So the benefits, everything that that uh, you know, when when uh, soldiers lived in in you know in war, they had to carry very few things with them, and their weapons served as utensils and everything. And everything that they wanted to eat, they ate with that sword. It was it was handed off on that sword, and so there's provision at the end of that sword too, but there's also a a pricking of truth. There's a pricking of a person's conscience with that sword. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. So offering to pray for someone oftentimes is one way to introduce that sword of provision to them. Because while they're reaching out to receive their provision, the answer to prayer, as they as they touch that sword, they get pricked a little bit by it. You understand what I'm saying? And it's there for that purpose. When you receive provision from God and you're a sinner, you should feel some conviction that you are not serving God and he's so good to you. That's part of the process. You should never try when people start to be disturbed, you know, say, for instance, you pray for somebody. You've got one of your maybe you've got adult children and you pray for them uh, to survive a, a layoff at a job. At some point, there should be some kind of cutting into them if they're not serving God or they're just serving him in a nominal way or they don't even bother to go to church or acknowledge God. As that provision is delivered to them, there should be some pricking of their conscience, some conviction coming to them that they are receiving a holy benefit and they did nothing to deserve it but ask and didn't go to God directly. They asked mom to do it. Didn't really ask mom to do it. Too much pride. They hinted around and mom offered to pray for them. See? You don't think God has just given them goodies. Now, let me tell you the mistake that we make. Oftentimes, we we offer prayer to people knowing that they're not serving God themselves. And we continue to offer up prayer for provision and prayer for provision. And we skip over as offering up prayer for them to be saved. You ever see people get in that habit? And the kids go years and years and years skating on thin ice when really they need salvation so they can ask God for themselves. Huh? They need God as a friend, man. How You don't think what it's like for you to be out there. And what's going to happen to them if mom decides she don't want to be bothered with this anymore? Huh? And I think really it, it increases the burden on the intercessor when you overlook that hmm? and and you can tell the flow of people's prayers because you can see well this kid's got some covenant blessings and they're doing but they don't go to church they're 30 years old 40 years old don't go to church yet don't go to church. it's because the parent usually is not praying for the right thing in the right order Salvation always comes first, folks. That soul must come first. And you offer up that prayer for salvation. God don't let them go another day without coming to you and committing their lives to you. If you're committed, they need to be even more so committed. When is the glory of the latter house going to exceed that of the former? Huh? Should be happening now. But oftentimes we get caught up in not wanting anything bad to happen to your kid. Hello. When did God get to be the monster? Huh? See, you can you can get your your stuff, you know, flipped around sometimes. You start focusing more on the hand of God for your loved ones than the face of God for them. Knowing that if they had relationship with God, that would settle a lot of the problems that they have. Uh, A lot of them. 
sometimes your kids you got one you maybe you got three kids two of them are married one's not stuck somewhere salvation will unstick them huh salvation really come into that person's heart it'll unstick them and don't don't try to listen don't don't play games with your mind here let the sword work let the sword do its work because many times parents think back to when they were the kids were real small and they confessed Christ well they ain't been to church since come on now a real confession would draw that person into relationship would draw them into worship so there's something wrong that needs to be corrected the enemy's gotten in there and stolen the reality of relationship with Christ from them you got to pray to get that established hello so when the sword comes to your house a kingdom your 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 loved ones are being invited into God's kingdom but they first got to step out of the world and the world system and the world's kingdom salvation is of God you've got to pray until God's satisfied with his relationship with them and we all know what relationship true relationship with God is pretty much like what you have huh if they don't do what you do then the relationship is not established you got me so you have to put that first the relationship with God comes first Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost sometimes they don't like your relationship with God and that's wonderful huh that lets you know where the problem is they're in darkness you're in light so the sword's got to come to get them to prick them enough to let them know that they need to repent and come over not the reverse you can't go play in their playground and I'll tell you, as as the kingdom draws closer and closer, the enemy makes more and more excuses for people to stay in darkness. And they start calling darkness light. There are many people out here who are claiming a relationship with God and claiming to be Christians and have no no relationship. They are not born again. They have never confessed Christ in sincerity. And God come into their heart and they follow Jesus. It's got to be the whole ball of wax. They must follow him. Um, Just as an aside, people who follow the Lord go to church. And they read their Bible. And they worship God. They pretty much do what you do. So until you get them doing what you do, keep working at it. And put it first. And don't try to to pacify yourself with some kind of excuse for why they're not doing it yet. Because yet will get to be years. And years will get to be decades. Hmm. Every time you offer to pray for somebody, you know, you, you think you're being a nice Christian. This is this is what we do. We go up and say, um, can I pray for you? And you're doing like, can I pray for you? And really what they feel is this. Bam! You understand? Well, that's the sword. Uh, that's what they felt. Write that down. See, y'all sit up here and act like this is some kind of fun stuff. This is war. Huh? This is war. And you're going to have to stand your ground. Huh? You're going to have to stand your ground. And you're going to have to make sure everybody lines up on the Lord's side. Hmm? Everybody wonders what to do with, with backslidden family members or family members who reject God. All the ones who are Christians better be doing the same thing and lining up the same way. 
or somebody is going to mess up. That's why I tell y'all, them backslid people, dangerous. Stay away from them unless God really gives you something for them. Now, every now and then we'll feel, well, you know, I should go over and and say hi to so-and-so and such-and-such because such, they must be lonely. Oh, they ain't lonely. They in sin. They having plenty of fun. I think they having plenty of fun. They don't need you coming over feel sorry for them. And in fact, they don't want to see you coming. Huh? <laughs> and when you interact with them, don't get over there and start trying to make like their sin ain't sin. Huh? My my advice, just stay away. Learn how to ask God to open the door for you. Don't go kicking no door in. You got kids that's living in sin with somebody. You got somebody moved in and all that. Type. Don't go over there. You ask for God to open the door. God, I'm praying for this kid of mine to come on in. When it's time to interact, God will open the door for the interaction. They got plenty of company, trust me. They are not hurting for company. And what you can do for them, you're best as an intercessor for that person. Don't be trying to be their friend. What friendship does light have with darkness anyway? Huh? Well, maybe you do have some, but I don't know. But you have no friendship with them. Well, every time I mention the Lord, mention come to church, they don't come. Well, stay away from them. Pray for them. Huh? Let them get thirsty, tired, and hungry. Huh? Isn't that what the, the prodigal's dad did for him? Hmm? He saw him going. I believe the same day he saw him going, he saw him coming back. See, that's the confidence that you have in God. That's the confidence that the word gives you. That's the confidence that you have in your prayers. See, what happens sometimes is people, when they're backslidden, they get all these mixed messages from the Christians. Some of them think they're okay like they are. Some of them make them feel uncomfortable. Some of them tell them to, you know, stop living in sin. Leave them alone. Leave them alone. Let God work on them. Pray for them. Huh? They call you, give them the word. Bring that sword out the best way you know how. But it's nice if all of God's people could be on one accord sometimes. Don't you love it when we all work in unity and harmony together? So we have to learn how to do these things, folks, so that people can know that God is real. And you're not serving him in vain. The first thing people that are away from God want to tell you is it don't take all that. That you do, you yours is overkill. You're some kind of fanatic. And you barely got enough peace of mind. You barely got enough bills, money to pay your bills. And you're wondering how you can get closer to God. And they tell you going too far. Something's wrong somewhere. You understand? Something's wrong somewhere. So we have to learn how to listen to God and take our cues from the Lord and respect what God's doing in people's lives. But if you can't, if you're so attached to people, you can't let them go their merry way so that God can can save them and work on them. Why don't you sit on the throne? I'm just telling you the truth. This is part of the human condition, folks. Everybody has a better idea for how to get little Johnny saved. And the Bible says clearly, salvation ain't your business, it belongs to the Lord. If you can hold up your end as an intercessor, you'll be doing 100%. Uh, Mostly we don't pray for people. I can tell you one thing that happens, once you start manipulating things in the natural, you quit praying as fervently. Because you start putting your, your trust and your confidence in what you can do to get them saved rather than trusting God to save them. See, we don't like the sword. We think, you know, you think in most people don't really have it that hard. 
but you know when some people when they their kids are are finding the lord they'll quit speaking to them for years you don't hear from them you just got to go to god 24 7 get some peace of mind that there's nothing bad has happened to them but see we don't want to go through that nowadays we don't want the sword to come we want to keep everybody close but it's more natural for them to try to avoid you than for them to be close let me read my bible somewhere here 34 think not that i am come to send peace i am come not to send peace but a sword we're prickly folks when jesus lives in us we're prickly Hmm? not many people are going to want to be close to us unless they're believers Hmm? you just can't embrace everybody and be close to god there are some people you aren't mature enough to witness to yet did you know that you don't know how to draw enough from the gifts of the spirit to have an answer for some of these devils out here huh so you have to let that sword distance you from people but stay kindly affectioned in your heart toward them so you can pray for them Hmm? but you don't have to be pally pally buddy buddy because the sword has come and they've, they've already made their decision many of them they don't want the lord so you have to let god work on them until they do people quit coming to church they don't want god huh but it's your job you care about them you say you care about them pray for them pray fervently pray every day god don't let them stay out in the world one more day wasting their youth wasting their time wasting this wasting that let the sword come all the more once it come, once it's come in let the surgery begin let god dissect them away from the world let them get pricked even more and more let them get hurt even more and more by the world let them see how evil the devil is ask god to take the blinders off their minds so they can see clearly what's going on out there and make the decision to receive christ don't try to hold on you know sometimes backsliders you know they 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 get all kinds of attention from people from time to time Sometimes everybody wants to compete to see who can get them to come to church. Huh? And they keep Christians jumping through hoops and acting stupid and falling out with each other. When all you need to do is go somewhere and pray. Leave them alone and pray. That's God's project. Huh? They'll have you turned upside down and you don't even know it. And you're going through hoops like a crazy person trying to do something that only God can do. Don't don't be used, people. Be wise. Sometimes people want to <clears throat> pet you up and say, well, I'm coming to church with you. Yeah, yeah, I'm coming, I'm coming. They're just pacifiers. Especially if you haven't prayed much. You know, I think sometimes we pray too little and expect too much off the too little prayer. Hmm? Stay on your face before God and start thanking him. God, you know, I want to offer prayers for this person's soul. Help me to be more of a prayerful person regarding this. So that when I, when you do open the door for me to speak, I'll be effective in winning them over. The world is so confused now that people think they have God and they don't. And there's a bold, like a new age religious witness out that makes people think that because they have a cross around their neck or they want to acknowledge God a little bit that they have him. Then the Christian that has them is sitting back so confused and 
not knowing what to do and scared to use the word and all this kind of stuff, you can tell the people are really saved because the word is near them in their mouth and in their heart. You know, but saved people have the word in them. Huh? And they speak the word. That's what they respect. I get emails from people sometimes. They want to instruct you how to pray. They got no scripture on there, no nothing. I said, now this person may not even be saved. And they want to tell you to bind this and fast and pray and all this emergency, urgent all over the email. I said, now urgent people ain't kingdom people. You know, now you can go ahead and pray, but you better ask God how to pray for this situation and pray for this individual. Well, you can spend a lot of time, waste your lot of time trying to be a servant but not being able to discern how to serve. Always get your cues from God. Get your information from God. There's no emergencies in his kingdom, folks. No emergencies. You know, be careful who you ask to fast. Some people don't feel like, they feel like having a hamburger today. They may not feel like jumping all on that like that. You know, I mean, think about it. What are you what are you asking people to do? How foolish is that? Hmm? So, you know, I don't run around just making people fast. You know, I barely do a good enough job trying to get myself together and get y'all for the empowerment meeting. Man, you if you you don't get out the way of that door, that bus get there, man, you get run over looking for them bagels. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Man, them Gabor sisters get in there and get their little tray out. And, Hello. Okay, it's on. You know, come on now. You you know, think about sometimes, you know, what people are asking. And it's all religion. It's all religion. If you have faith, what's the, what's, what's turning the plate down going to do? And if you turn the plate down and don't get any faith, what good have you done? So come on, folks. But we've got to learn how to stay with God's process. His process is to bring the sword and to divide out. Because everything, that sword draws a line. And whatever is on the Lord's side lines up with the word. Whatever is on the other side is against the word. And it will sometimes shock you who believes and who doesn't believe. And what people believe. So in verse 34, he says he's come to bring the sword. Before peace can come. There must be war. If we think that everything's going to be fine because we have Christ, we're not thinking correctly. The sword cuts in a deep way. And it, it is to take out what is not like Christ. But the first thing it does in the lives of people is to bring truth. So that sword delivers truth to them. So that truth must come and confront what it is that they believe that's not true. And that's when the war is on. People, as nice as they are, don't like to be wrong. They don't like to be corrected. You ever notice sometimes people can can hear bad news and they're just as satisfied because they knew it was going to happen? I knew it was going. I knew that was going to happen. Oh, it's bad news. What are you rejoicing about? Huh? See, that's the iniquity that's in people. Everybody wants to to be able to know something. They want to be able to project something out of themselves that's accepted as fact or truth. And so when you come to people and you tell them that what they've been believing for years and years is not accurate, then they're upset with you. Hmm? Then they love you. Huh? People go through all kind of changes. I've been ups and downs with people. I've, you know, I've had people that I knew they didn't agree with me about something. I didn't say anything, didn't say anything, and finally I said something. 
You know, you just put it off, put it off, put it off, and they say, i got to say something now, you know, because you're convicted that you don't. And you say it, and then they want to argue with you, and next thing they love you. Uh, you know, you get a nasty letter for them. Where the next day, oh, I've been praying about you and thinking about how you doing. I said, good. How you doing? <laughs> Why? War has to come. That kingdom has to confront the other kingdom. Now, they may not tell you many times that they understand that what you've been telling them is true all along. But the fact that they're not at odds anymore means that sword must have settled something in them. Must have settled it some kind of way. There was a woman I knew some years ago. I was in a women's ministry. And she was, uh, we, you know, there were people from a lot of different churches, a lot of different church backgrounds would come. We would have these Bible studies. And for the longest time, you know, she never really, you know, said much about herself. And I remember talking with her one time, and she was saying that she and this boyfriend of hers were going to go on a cruise together. And I said, now, wait a minute. Before you get any further in this conversation, I said, I need to let you know. I said, if you you think you're going to get me to okay you're sleeping with him or something, I said, I know you're not married. I said, but if you think I'm going to go down that road, let me stop you right now. I said, because I'm not going to be in agreement with anybody for any kind of sin, period. Oh, she slammed the phone down. She's so mad at me and carrying on and carrying on. I didn't care. You know, I had enough to contend with (laughs) trying to get a husband saved and do what I need to do. I could care less. And so uh, for for a long time, she was very distant. And even sometimes when I would see her at the Bible studies or meetings or something, she would say something snippy to me or, you know, flare up or something. So it's a demon in there. Man, that hate demon. You know, you these people that sleep around, they ain't nice people. You understand what I'm saying? They are not nice people. When that lust demon gets fed and he brings that hatred and that murder spirit, then people will jump and cuss you out and go upside one side and down the other. Huh? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say this. <laughs> when you get trained in a women's ministry, man, you can handle any kind of barracuda, any kind of bear, any kind of man. Some of them witches got something for you, brother. <laughs> I've been trained by the best. Hmm? The devil will meet you at the door, huh? I, had, uh, you know, one of the a lot of the women that that were I was on the the executive board, you know, that ran the joint. And many times, if you were on that board, they would ask you to come speak at their meetings. It was just kind of a little protocol thing. You know, you say, you know, we have an, our meeting. Why don't you come over and speak? Blah, blah, blah. I hear you do this, do that, and so forth. And so I've been offered to speak at this one meeting. And when, you know, they would go in and we had different committees. And, and I had worked them all, so I knew how to do them all. And um, the one one uh, committee was... Um, hospitality where they would give you all the women got greeted with a name tag and they would have a scripture under your name and so when I came in this one oh sister I'm so glad you're speaking today okay sure well which one of you in there is the gladdest you know You know, I mean, come on, folks. Listen, if we all spirit-filled, we all pray in tongues, don't you know God's going to hip somebody to something? If the devil's involved, not going to get let you get set up. So I took the name tag and, and put it in my Bible. I didn't read it, didn't read the scripture. After the meeting, I was looking through my Bible. I said, oh, I'll read my scriptures after I preached. And it was something about, woe to you Pharisees, woe to you, you know. <laughs> I say you little skunk. <laughs> Actually, I didn't say skunk. I'm saying skunk for this tape, but I'm sure I said something else. <laughs> 
But see, the devil will greet you at the door with a an unholy kiss. <laughs> huh? Try to get you and see what she wanted to do was set me up before I preached. Mm-hmm. So we made a rule. <laughs> because I was in charge on another level with something else. So we made a rule. You don't give the speech, speaker a scripture before they go in. The, that's witchcraft. And I told him that's what it was. I said, we have no right to manipulate servants of God that he has sent to minister to people by feeding into their spirit something that God wouldn't have fed there. So you stop witches. You understand when you stop them dead in their tracks. You have to deal with that kind of nonsense. You put it down. In Jesus' name. <laughs> so I gave her a piece of my mind. I said, Sister, I feel you have something against me. What is it? Can we talk? Huh? She came to our meetings years later. Hi, so good to see you. I said, Girl, it's good to see you. Sniffing. <laughs> see if I can find some witch on her again. Huh? You know what I'm saying? Don't be stupid. I wasn't stupid the first time. Huh? But God will prepare you for things. See, he didn't let me read it. But you got to be careful with people, folks. When that sword comes, you keep the word out there. You keep the word out there. And you let division come because it must come. God knows what he's doing. You're not up to the job. Trust me. You've got to trust in the living God. So only God can make judgments about people. We cannot judge the intents of men's hearts. So when God lives in us, he interacts with other people through us. Hmm? You are not the same person that you used to be if you've been converted as a Christian. Hmm? You're not the same person. And so Jesus wants to interact with other people through us. He's able to move the unsaved through to repentance if we will obey what he tells us to do. And there will, will be peace, but it will come when that person receives Christ. They will have peace with God and you have done your job. And then if they need other prayer, God will certainly move on you to pray for them more. But until they receive Christ, they are his enemies and they are your enemies. You can't make a false peace. And if you know you serve Lord God Almighty... Why would you want to mealy mouth and pacify people who are in sin? Just want to be friends anyway. Try to befriend them when they're in sin. And see, they'll turn on you because they're trying to get away from the pressure of the sword. So any way they can get away from you, they will try it. So this word, this sword that Jesus brings comes to set people against one another. You've got to understand that. You've got to accept that. And you've got to embrace that. That is the process of how people are won over to Christ. So if you will let the sword do its work, take yourself out of it, you young people especially, The enemy has traps set for you to force you into a a mold that God does not have for you. He wants you to conform to the image of Christ. But the devil will set persistent people against you. Some of these people, you can't offend them. You can't get rid of them. You can't, huh? 
you slap them they think you in love even more my goodness you know what i'm saying you can't can't get rid of them (laughs) and so you have to understand that sword comes to protect you from the power of darkness to bring truth to drive you apart so that god can work on them so they can find christ why don't we stop well father we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to hear your word today to be blessed by your word to understand the process of contention and why the sword comes so we thank you lord for this blessing that we have received from you in jesus